Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Get the applicants you need faster and for free at LinkedInJobs.com. Today is part two of the Good and the Bad series. You heard the first part with Stephen and Gotti from Fanatic Perspective, the Fanatic Perspective on the Good and the Bad of the Longhorns thus far. Today is part two with Nash from Nash Talks Texas on YouTube. We're talking analytics, offense, defensive, and just some coaching numbers that explain why. Texas is five and three and have they overachieved, underachieved, or are they on schedule? And then part three later on in the week with the Texas Homer from YouTube talking about schematics, what's working, what's not working, and what we need to do against Kansas State to right the ship and get back in the win column. But first, Nash, we're talking analytics today, and I want to start with uh, the passing offense, and that's been led by, of course, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card at different points throughout this season. And I believe that you've looked at some numbers or you've looked at some graphics that may explain uh, on a deeper level their performances thus far this season. Yeah, um, so over here, uh, college football data, I think I sent you this graph earlier. There's there's a graph that really shows uh, like how Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers' progression has gone. And like looking back on it, it just makes like this is one of these things where when the stats match what you're seeing on the uh, field and on the screen, that's when they can start to be helpful. And if you look at this, Quinn Ewers, like Hudson Card, yeah, he struggled at first and similar with Quinn Ewers and their first dropbacks. But quickly, uh, the predicted points added, PPA, it's it jumps up. And with Quinn, it skyrockets. Right. But with Hudson, you start to it's it's going up a little bit, but we've seen some regression back to almost where Hudson's PPA is. So, I mean, it's it. you saying we're seeing like Quinn Ewers right now, like his regression is almost to where Hudson Card left off. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and, yeah. The, the predicted points added. Per, and how, so this is a per drop back. And how would you explain predicted points added per drop back? So basically what happens is if a quarterback, obviously when they do better, they're going to have a, they're going to add more points to the, uh, to the team. So like a, a guy like a Hendon hooker or CJ Stroud, you're going to see a high PPA number points per uh, predicted points added. Sorry. You're going to see that number higher because every drop back per drop back, they're adding more points on. So basically, they're just it's it's efficiency is what it comes down to. They're far yeah. more efficient when they drop back. And so, and we've seen at, that efficiency decline with Quinn Ewers. Gotcha. But overall, I think when you look at Quinn Ewers, so I looked at some numbers and he's uh, 18th in the Power Five currently uh, with 0.66 expected points added uh, per pass, and he has a 1.82 win probability added on 142 passing attempts thus far. Just a little context on that. So. He has about 0.012 win probability added per pass. That's going to be right behind Hendon Hooker, who's probably the leading Heisman candidate at 0.014, and above C.J. Stroud, uh, who's probably second in the Heisman voting at a 0.010. So when you hear those numbers that he's 18th in a Power 5 with 0.66 expected points added, and his win probability is, you know, 1.82 on 142 passing attempts, what does that say about what Quinn Ewers has brought to the team thus far? It tells me we we really like I know we ha- we just saw a really bad game against Oklahoma State. 
That was a, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a stinker. It is what it is. But it tells me when you see him up that high and when his regression is like when he's regressing and that's, and he starts to level out at that. I mean, that's not bad at the end of the day. Like at the, when you look at it and you say, okay, well, he's where Hudson card was starting to level off, you know, when we were seeing Hudson card improve. Well, that was a good Hudson card by just general consensus. So I think what that, I think really what these stats shows, I mean, despite Quinn, you throwing out a bad performance, right? One of the worst we've seen far, in 20 years. The, like, yeah. No one. Like, I mean, when you go to, I think, a, I think it's above 30 pass attempts. It's the worst you've seen out of a Texas quarterback since before Vince Young. So, but now it, it's also important to add in, like I put out a graphic on Twitter the other day uh, showing all the bad stinkers that quarterbacks have put out. So any, any game that was, I think I, I put, I think it was, I included every game below 50% completion percentage. And we've had every single quarterback, including Colt McCoy and Vince Young have a stinker, but the one thing that you see with the good quarterbacks is they don't continue to put them out there. They, they, they get better. You know, they don't, they don't repeat bad results. Yeah, and so one thing that kind of concerned me is when I was looking at the chart of the expected points added per pass play, there was a lot of quarterbacks underneath Quinn Ewers. I know Quinn Ewers hasn't started the whole season, but there are a lot of quarterbacks under Quinn Ewers that have, have enjoyed more team success. So like Max Duggan, well, he was one spot ahead of Quinn Ewers, but TCU was undefeated. Jackson Dart was one spot behind. Ole Miss is, I think, top 10. They're 8-1. and one. Spencer Sanders was behind Quinn Ewers. They're 6-2, and two, ranked 18th. Stetson Bennett is ranked way behind Quinn Ewers. You know, of course, Georgia has all the talent, but they're 8-0, they're ranked number one. Sean Clifford from Penn State, they're ranked 16th. Jaden Daniels from LSU, they're ranked 15th uh, in the country. So you see that Quinn Ewers by, you know, his EPA is better than all of these quarterbacks, but they're enjoying more team success. And another thing that concerned me when I was crunching the numbers, looking at the analytics, was how the passing is way less efficient in the second half than it is in the first half. And that's probably leading to a lot of the second half collapses. And if you're squeamish, I apologize because I mean, some of the stuff I'm about to tell you is you're not going to want to hear this. So Texas is 47th overall in passing offense, but that number drops down to 114th in the country in the second half. In the first half, Texas quarterbacks have 62.8 completion percentage in the second half. Texas quarterbacks have 55.4 completion percentage. In the first half, Texas quarterbacks have 18 touchdowns and six interceptions. But in the second half, Texas quarterbacks have four touchdowns and three interceptions. And in the first half, Texas quarterbacks have a 152.15 passer rate. But in the second half, that number drops down to 115.14. So they're all dramatic drop-offs in the passing efficiency from the first half to the second half. Nash, do you think that's directly correlating with the fact that Texas has had some second-half flameouts really this season? Yes, I do. And, uh, I, I like, 
I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but because I, I think I'm going to cover this in a future video, but like I, I dropped some st I dropped some stats in uh in a in a group chat earlier, right? And I was like, because I was I was going through, and I, I said I was going to go through and look at this stuff, and but I I, I avoided it as long as possible because you know you, you don't want to you don't want to disappoint yourself, <laughs> but in the first uh when you're counting the second half drives. We've had 54% of our drives go for five plays or less. And, okay, well, yeah, some of those drives, those are going to have – some of those drives are five plays or less because you score on them, right? Okay, well, let's remove those plays. All right, well – and then this is this is counting all – this is only power fives, right? Well, that number goes to, thir uh, to 38%. So 16 of 37 drives – we didn't score on in the second half. And then you go down to the, you remove West Virginia and OU, the game like OU, just whether it was, whether it was they were missing their starting quote, whatever it was. Okay. It was an anomaly. As much as I love to sit here and shout 49 0, I'll, I'll say it all, I'll say it every time 49 0, you know, but that was an anomaly. And then also, I don't think we can count the, second half of a West Virginia game where there was a, just a complete blowout. So I tossed those out and 70.3% of our drives are five plays or less. And we only score on 28.5% of drives in the second half. Excluding so, Oklahoma and, and West Virginia and West Virginia. So these are games that your Alabama, your Texas tech, your Oklahoma state, you know, Iowa State. it's those games, yeah. Iowa State. Yes. Like, those, I mean, the, those... the games that you're the games that, hey, this is a dog fight. We're still fighting in, you know? Yeah. Because Iowa State, that was a fight till the end. Texas Tech fight till the end. But at the same time, when you're not scoring points in the second half. Like, I, I, I dropped this in a dynasty chat because some guy who was a, a Alabama fan, like he, he was he's was, he's was ribbing me and he, he was like, man, I'm sorry. I, like I, I shouldn't. I, he's like, I, it just, it just slipped out of me, and I'm like, air it out. It's, it's real. It is what it is at this point. Like you know, I, I keep saying it's it, at this point. Texas is the shoulda, coulda, woulda team. Should be better. Could be better. Would have been better. And one question I've had is, should they run the ball? You know, more in the second half, or are they getting away from the run too early? Um, because when I look at it, you know, the Russian numbers have definitely been more efficient than the passing numbers and they've actually gotten better in the second half. So when you look at it, you know, Texas is and this really doesn't make sense to me at all. They're 21st in yards per carry. So they're efficient when they're running the ball and they're 43rd in the country in yards per game. But in attempts per game, they're all the way down in 71st. And then if you look at it in the second half, they're 18th in the second half in yards per carry. So that they get a little bit better in the second half. Newsflash, you, you keep running with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. It wears down the defense. They're 27th in the second half in rushing yards compared to 43rd overall. So they're getting more rushing yards in the second half. Now, of course, some of those games is they're up and they're running the ball. And that's between teams who have played eight games. So when I look at it, the, the rushing numbers are – Better in the second half, but they're efficient overall. You got B. John Robinson, who I pulled the numbers on B. John Robinson. When you look at uh, some of his stats, 
he's has he's getting a 24 i mean excuse me he has a 24 percent first down percentage so he's getting a first down 24 percent of the time he runs the ball 41 percent of his runs are over five yards you talked about those uh drives of less than five plays if he's getting five yards on 40 percent of his runs we're gonna get you know a first down uh 15 of his runs are over 10 yards eight percent of his runs are over 15 yards he's explosive one of the most explosive running backs in the nation Behind him, you have Roshan Johnson, who's giving you 367 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Over 8% of his runs are going for 15-plus yards. And then when you look at it, they have a 47% run rate, right? I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at y'all, but just bear with me. They have a 47% run rate. So basically, they run the ball 47% of the time, which was 76th in the country. But they have a 49% success rate, which is 31st in the country. So the rate they run it is 76th in the country, but their success rate is 31st in the country. When I tell you that their rushing numbers are efficient and they get better in the second half, and when I tell you that their rushing success is at the top of the country, but their rushing attempts are in the middle to the bottom of the country, I question why we're not running the ball more. I question, should we be letting Roshan and Bijan Robinson carry this team and then letting Quinn Ewers complement our running backs and not vice versa. And I, this coming from somebody who, if if you if you look hard enough, there's a video of me somewhere earlier in the year where I was sitting there complaining about Sark saying, you know, with this run, with this offensive line, the the we can't do complimentary football. You know, we can't do it. You quit and quit calling so many run plays in the second half. You know. Because it felt like that was the problem for our, uh, all these drives. All these, like, five-play drives or less, you know. But that's not what it was. And like you say, when you got Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, you know, like, it, those two dudes, that that is legit. Like, especially by PFF standards, I don't even have to go look at this right now. Like, those are two of the top 20 power five running backs in all of college football. And then I went and I was, I just did a video hunting, trying to find out what, what running back statistics really matter and show how good the running back is. And I pretty much came down to the, the best statistic that you can do to individually look at a running back and see how he performs is missed tackles forced. And not only missed tackles forced, but taking that down and looking at how many missed tackles they force per rush. Because you may have a guy who he he gives enough rushes. So like a Roshan Johnson, he gives enough rushes to give you a good sample size, right? It's not a great sample size, but it's a good enough one. 61 carries on a season. Mm-hmm. But his missed tackles force is going to be a lot lower than everybody else's. But when – and I, I need to add in the Oklahoma State game and recalculate the numbers, but I'm sure it hasn't changed. He's leading the nation in missed tackles forced per rush among the top. And I, I'm not, I shouldn't say leading the nation, but this is when you look at the guys that are draft worthy for this year, next year's draft, he leads them. He's in the top of them. And I have a video recently going over that, but when you have these guys, right? When you got these horses, you, you let them work, you know? You let these guys carry the team, and then, like you said, Quinn Ewers, he adds a compliment to it because 
but this is the this is also the other deal is you can't become one dimensional, you know. Because that this is I think this is what really led to the problem in versus Oklahoma State. I think is our passing game was going nowhere, so they were able to just okay let's load up the box and stop the run. I mean, we had 160 rushing yards in the first half, and I think 53 in the second half at Oklahoma State. It's it's a it's a night and day difference, and whatever the reason is, we are consistently inconsistent in the second half, and that's got to change. It should, it just has to. If not. The reality is we're just going to keep losing football games because you can't be letting teams coming down the home stretch, you know, getting all getting that confidence at the end of the game, right? It's like it, it's like if you ever been around somebody that like when somebody calls game and then there's that there's that dude that's just pissed off that that guy called game way too early, and he's he's made it his just it's his personal motivation just to win that game at all costs. And then guess what happens? That guy wins the game. The guy that called game, he looks like a he looks like an idiot. And that's that's Texas with all these second half leads. And I'm not saying we have our players out there calling game, but I mean that's just what it looks like to the general perspective of the team uh, to the to the public outside of Texas fans. That's what they that's what they see us as. They see us as that team that eh, if, if they got the lead out, you're still safe. You know, you got double. If you're, if you're down double digits, we're, we're good guys. We're good. But like, it goes back to that Texas tech coach. We, we knew, we knew they were going to break. So we got, there's, there's something that's got to be figured out. Yeah. And, and like you I, said, I think it starts with handing the ball to Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson. Just a little bit more. And I and I question why, you know, Keelan Robinson only has, you know, I talk about this all the time in the chat. I question why Keelan Robinson only has 19 touches uh, through eight games on the season. And it's even more frustrating when you talk about, you know, some of these second half woes, because looking at, you know, some of, uh, you know, some more additional offensive numbers, they're 18th in the country. So this was after I shouldn't say they're 18th in the country. They were 18th in the country after the Oklahoma State game. They're on a bye last week. I'm not sure if the, the numbers probably have updated, but they were 18th in the country in points per drive with 3.01 points per drive. That's really good. They were 44. They were 41st, excuse me, in the country in points per drive that went inside the opponent's 40. So they're averaging 4.27 points on drives that went inside the opponent's 40. Obviously, they're not as efficient on their drives overall as they were, you know, as drives that went inside the opponent's 40. Some of that has to do uh, with them not having a great kicking game this year, them being down at, I think, 75th, 76th, um, and kicking efficiency at 72%, which is awful, you know, and that has to be better. Um, when you look at their big play percentage, so this is going to be 12-plus yard runs and 15-plus yard passes. Texas is eighth in the country in office, offensive big play percentage with 93 big plays through eight games, averaging almost 12 big plays a game. Once again, that's 12-plus yard runs and 15-plus yard passes. But we're still looking at an offense that only scored three points in the second half, an offense that continues to bog down. So, you know, some questions I have and have already asked her, once again, why are we not letting Bijan, you know, Roshan and Keelan carry us and 
Quinn compliment them instead of vice versa. If we have the best running back room in the nation, why can't we flaunt that for 60 minutes? Why does Keelan Robinson only have 19 touches in eight games? We talked about, um, you know, the playmakers, Bijan and, and Roshan, and we featured, you know, Xavier Worthy as well. But why are we using Jordan Whittington and JT Sanders so inconsistently? Why are we using anybody else, period? <laughs> right. And then why the dramatic drop off and passing efficiency and scoring in the second half to where the numbers are dropping by 30, 40 points in, in some instances? The rankings are going from top 25 to, you know, 114. Like what's going on on the offensive side? Those are some of the, the questions I have. And some of the, you know, numbers show that this offense has been really good at times, but you know, also hasn't been the offense we've seen. And and like you talked about, you know, so eloquently, sometimes it, it it's, you know, when you dive deeper into the numbers, it paints a better picture of why Texas can't finish these games, why sometimes they can't play for 60 minutes. But it's also still very confusing with the amount of talent that they have. And, you know, especially the performance they've gotten from the defensive side this year. And coming up next after a word from Nissan, we'll talk about, um, how the defenses look this year and then some of the analytics and some of the manalytics, just some of the people that are balling on that side uh, on the defense. So first, a quick word from Nissan. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from Texas weekend game or throughout the history of our alma mater. And this week's thrilling moment from Texas was the bye week. We did not have to worry about Texas winning or losing that stress. That anxiety, you didn't have to worry about that. You could have a stress-free Saturday and just watch some other college football. You didn't have to be as invested. So that was the thrilling or lack thereof moment from Nissan. And this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, now, so now we're talking about the defense and They've had a couple bad performances, but from what we all, you know, thought preseason, this defense has, in my opinion, you know, outperformed expectations. When you look at some of the numbers on the defensive side, scoring defense, they're 27th in the country. Yards per play, they're 22nd in the country. Now, total defense, they're all the way down, not all the way down, they're 63rd, which is about, you know, midway in the nation. But it's kind of that Pekakowski, Gary Patterson, Ben, but don't break defense where, you know, you're 63rd in yards given up, but you're 27th in scoring defense. And then when you get deeper in the numbers, they're 29th in the country in points per drive, right? They're, they're averaging 1.75 points given up, points per drive. They're 35th in points per drive that get inside our 40-yard line. So drives that get inside our 40-yard line are only averaging 3.40 points. That's really good on the defensive side. And then they're 43rd in the country in havoc plays. And Havoc plays are going to be tackles for loss, pass, pass breakups, interceptions, and fumbles. And they're 24th in offensive success rate allowed at 38%. So when you hear those numbers, if I would have told you those numbers before the season about this defense through eight games, Nash, what would you have told me? Well, I think, like, if you had, if you had said – you put these numbers on last year's team, there would be a lot of burn orange colored glasses, Kool-Aid sipping Longhorn fans talking about the Big 12 championship and possibly a, a, a college playoff champ, 
appearance, right? And that's like because we had a horrible defense last year. Like per the stats, the stats were saying, "Hey, this defense is hundred at best." You know, it's it might be it might sit in the seventy to eighty range, but it, it's it's not doing good for Power Five, right? And especially like the big dogs of the Power Five. And then one of the things was like the rush defense. The rush defense last year was bad. But this year, it's so much better. I think we're sitting at 3.6 yards per rush. We're a top 25 yeah. rush defense. And like like you said, if you had said at the beginning of the season, we got all – like you lay out all the stats. You tell me all those things. I'm They're, they're good. Woo, we're, they're we're, good. We're, we're 8-0 going to the bye. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy. You know, I'm – I'm, I'm lo- at least I'm seven and one, right? Yeah, Maybe I, six and two. You know, you know, I'll, I'll be like, like that. You would have because, especially like then, you know, we're we're trying to, we're 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 sipping the Kool Aid, but we're trying to dial it back, you know, because there was not a single Longhorn fan on YouTube that was going to be sitting there caught saying, "We're beating Bama. We're we're giving a, we're giving a run for their money." You know that. There, you'd been okay. Eight no. I maybe, said it. I don't know. We lost. Maybe. I said it, and we lost by one point. You know, what I'm saying locked hey. on the show, Jonathan Davis your house. Well, that's true. You did say it, but I'm talking about like the, the preseason. You know, like be, before before anything. You know, you got you got the you got the Kieran video. You know, <laughs> that funny yeah. video where it's like we we might lose to Bama. We might. We might. You know, and yeah. If you had said we had those stats, like it's just, it's it's bought it's it just mind boggling. It doesn't that we're compute. Five and three. It doesn't compute. Yeah. Like there, there's a there's a computer error going on up here. Like yeah. And then you and then like it's for Texas. It's just it's been this case of if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, like you look at last year too. Like to take a small trip back to the offensive side of the football. Okay, well, all we need is a. Is a quarterback that can throw deep. All that's all we need. Well, we got that. All we need is better pass blocking. Well, we got that. Still, same results. Yeah, and you know, although the defense definitely has improved, and, and we've seen playmakers mm-hmm. um, on better field production, and we've seen development uh, of a lot of players that have been here at all three levels: defensive line, linebackers, and safeties. There have been some concerns, and really those concerns have been in the two true road games uh, at Texas Tech and in Lubbock and at Oklahoma State in Stillwater. So when you look at it, Texas is only giving up 15 points a game in DKR and the Cotton Bowl, but they're giving up 39 points per game on the road. And so the questions I have are why the struggles on the road? Like why are we so dominant on the defensive side in DKR and then shutting out Oklahoma and the Cotton Bowl? But, yeah, we're giving up almost 40 points a game on the road. Now, I know that, you know, one thing that has been brought up and is a very valid point is the snap counts, right? When you have them on the field for 100 plays against Texas Tech, when you have them on the field for 98 plays against Oklahoma State, that's obviously going to be a concern. But it still seems a little weird that they're so different night and day between home and neutral site games and true road games. So, my – I'll say for the Oklahoma State game, the the snap count deal. I would I would I would accept that, but at the start of the fourth quarter, I was like, "We're losing this game." I'm a, I was I was screaming. I'm like, "If you're feeling good about this, you need to start feeling bad." You know, 
but like it's like the snap count it is a thing but i think it's more of an issue of at this point with the road games because this is something i was curious about when we were first going on the road to texas tech we had those we had those games at home it was a three game home stretch right and I was worried about us falling into a rut and getting too comfortable. And now I'm worried about is, is it, is it a, is it a coaching issue? You know, because the, and the only reason why I say that is because the places that they're playing well in, and this year, particularly home games in Dallas, well, Dallas is a neutral site, right? But at the at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the day, that's a home game for both teams, and I'll explain that because it's not you're not going to the Mercedes Benz Super Bowl Superdome that you've never been to, you're not going to some random football field that you've never been to, unless it, unless you're a freshman named Brennan Thompson or another guy, you've already been to the Cotton Bowl, you've already experienced running out on the field hearing the OU booze at the first half and then getting to the Texas half. And then that's your, you know, that's your kingdom with all the roars. And you might, you might experience different nuances through the game and different years, but like the locker room, the trip to the, all, all the stuff that really kind of is different about going on the road that you only really get twice. If you're a senior and you, if you stay four years at college, you only go to the Oklahoma State twice. You only travel to Stillwater twice. You only go to Ames twice. But so I just I wonder if there's a comfort if they if these if these guys they're able to play well where they feel comfortable, you know where they have a little bit of comfort. Hey, we played here, okay. We we have we have we have some familiarity. We're comfortable here. Yeah. And another thing that really kind of I think contributes to that question is those environments you had the texas tech that was a sold out game yeah sixty thousand people but th- those people were sold out and they are they don't like texas <laughs> you know so they're loud and then same for oklahoma state that i mean that thing is scrunched up there's no sidelines on that thing and i just i have that question of can this team And it's not a matter of play because we've seen them play. You know, they, like like at Oklahoma State even, there were moments where it's, hey, this is looking like that statistically top 25 defense. And then there was moments where it's like, where are you, you know? And so I just have, I just have that question of can they, can they perform when they're not comfortable, you know? Because at the end of the day, Everybody's going to be able to do anything when they're comfortable. Yeah, great points. And then when we looked at it, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we're seeing so many pressures. But at times, especially against Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, they haven't really turned into sacks. And so that's another question I have. You know, how can we convert more pressures into sacks? And then we've seen 
in the Iowa State game and then we saw in the Oklahoma State game, there was times where they were making a lot of defensive substitutions, some because of injury, but some of just rotations. I understand that at defensive line, but not necessarily as much as the linebacker and the defensive backs as we've seen. And we've seen them giving up touchdowns. So, you know, once again, I'll pose those two questions. They can be rhetorical, but how can we convert more pressures into sacks? And then why all the defensive substitutions at linebacker and defensive back that are not injury related, you know, that are leading to touchdowns. And then talking about defense, that's kind of connected to special teams. So we talk about special teams and they haven't been great for Texas this year. 76 in the country and field goal percentage 13 for 18 on the season. That's five missed field goals through eight games. That's a lot. 72 percent. And when you look at two of the misses, so there's been two misses and losses for Texas. One field goal that was missed would have put Texas up 13 to 10 going into halftime against Alabama. The second one would have put you up 37 to 34 against Oklahoma State with five minutes left. And I feel like this is something that we knew would be an issue coming into the season. And I'm not sure if it was ever properly addressed. You know, I, I feel like we heard the reports all offseason that kicker was going to be shaky for this team. And I don't feel like that was addressed. And when I look at it, you know, this parody or not hilarious or not. Lane Kiffin was at the press conference talking about they went and found a kicker at the frat house and their kicker is nine of 10 this year. <laughs> you know, making 90% of his kicks. We got 72% of our kicks being made. So I just wonder if there wasn't enough emphasis put on that position this year, which we all as fans and people that cover the team knew would be a concern. And has that cost Texas to this point? Is that the, the reason they're, you know, unranked in the AP poll and five and three. And I, 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 I forgive me if I did. We miss a field goal versus Texas Tech. I'm. I feel not, like there was one in there. I I feel like there was. one I don't in think there. so. I'm not. I'm not entirely so. sure, but yeah, I don't think so. I think the the other three misses all came in wins. I think I think it might have been the Texas Tech guy that missed it. That's what I'm thinking of. But uh, yeah, you got the. It's once you like once you know Dicker's gone, right? It should be prior, like for especially when you're talking specifically about special teams. That's priority number one, two, three, four, and five on special teams is replacing Cameron Dicker because that dude was absolutely clutch. And any Texas fan that Watch that Cal game with Gerard Hurd, and then the you know the missed field goal with Nick Rose. You know exactly how important the field goal kicker like it. That was the last extra point field goal I ever took for granted. <laughs> before like, I remember I used to count extra points before and field goals before they were you know because just that's what we knew as a Texas you know. We may have not had this at all times blow you away guy like a Hunter Lawrence or anything like that. But like you said, like you're saying the guy oh, Ole Miss nine of 10, we had guys that were reliable, you know, and this isn't to say that Burt Auburn can't be reliable, but does it hurt to bring in another guy? You know, and I just, I, when you're the university of Texas, when you're a school like Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama, when you're a big-name school like that, there should be zero problem getting a kicker to come to your school. Like, it, 
it really it you should have kickers lining up at the door waiting to get in and the fact that it's you know it's you know it looks like a struggle in some of these wins or some of these losses is it's it's a problem and then also like something that really opened my eyes is because Jeff Banks, he yes, he has been a good special teams coach, but that uh that UTSA when they converted on that uh right out the second it was was it right out the second half? It was it was right after a score or something. They got an onside kick. Yeah. Just completely caught us sleeping. And we've had out really outside of the blocks, the punt blocks. We really have not had a great special teams play. It's really those punt blocks that are propping up the special teams. So that is one area that I'm kind of trying to keep my eye on. And also, to your point about the speed earlier, Keelan Robinson. Yeah, he's fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's really fast. He is quick. Him and BT. Yeah, my bad. I'm over here watching uh, the World Series out of the side of my eye, and I, I thought Nash was gonna carry me. He stopped talking. I was over here watching. No, my, the World my bad. Series. <laughs> I was over here watching the World Series out the side of my eye. That's my bad, y'all. All right. Next, we're gonna talk about some general, uh, just team stuff, some general statistics, and ask ourselves why is this football team five and three? We'll get into that next, but first, a quick word from Sweat Block. Look, I talk to y'all about Sweat Block all the time, wherever you're going, whether it's to the club. You're going home for Thanksgiving. You're going to the grocery store. You're, you're going anywhere. You, you need to, to be smelling good, and you need to control that body odor. And that's why I'm here on Locked on Longhorns to tell you about Sweat Block, because I can't have you out here, uh, a listener, a fan of the show, looking bad or, or smelling bad, not on my watch. And Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. So, if look, if he knew he had a problem and he had to create a product for it, yeah, I definitely feel comfortable recommending it to you. And I feel comfortable recommending it to you because it's doctor created and doctor recommended. And I'm definitely <laughs> the furthest thing from a doctor. But if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Save some money, 20% off on sweat block. So Nash, I sit up at night a lot thinking about a lot of things. And one thing I continuously think about is how this Texas football team is five and three. So just bear with me. I'm just going to go through a, a gauntlet. I'm going to go through just a, a lot of stats right here and a, a lot of different numbers. And uh, we're just going to ask ourselves, how is this football team five and three? So one is the point differential. And I know that I think, in the first half, they're outscoring their opponents by over 90 points. But in the third quarter, I think in the second half, that drops down to like four or five. And they've been outscored in the fourth quarter by 29 points. How is a team with all of this talent and a top 40 offense pretty much in all metrics, a top you know 30 defense in all metrics, getting outscored by almost 30 points in the fourth quarter? But – we're going to continue to, to keep going. And I actually want to bring you in on this one because we have a graphic. I was supposed to be showing a lot of these graphics and we just get to talking, but 
we have this graphic right here. Nash, when you see this graphic, this opponent adjusted EPA per play for the Texas offense and the Texas defense, we have a few cues on the screen for the people that can see it. But just explain to everybody what you see when you see this graphic. As I, I say this, as we're watching the World Series, I'm going to give you all a live timestamp. Kyle Schwarber just hit a home run. The Phillies are up 6-0 oh, no. on the Astros. I just gave you all oh, a no. live timestamp on Locked On Longhorns. If you're listening this far in, I appreciate you. All right, go ahead. Nash, when you look at this graphic, opponent-adjusted EPA per play, and you see that Texas is really almost in the Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State range. They're right there on the chart. How is this football team five and three based on what you're looking at on this graphic? I'll go back to the shoulda, coulda, woulda. This team is – it should be better. It could be better. And it would be better. And I I go back – like, so I think, I think this is when you combine things, right? When you look at – Though, if you go back to the if you go back to the stats that I mentioned earlier, and where we're just ton of five play drives, so we're not having a lot of drives where we're keeping the offense on the field. So our defense basically isn't getting a lot of breaks. Well, a big problem is, and then this is kind of a little bit older stats, but. A week ago, we were a bottom 30. This is October 21st, the day the, from the thing that I'm reading. We are a bottom 30 team in third down defense. On first and three, on one on downs, uh, third on third and up to third and three, we're 59.1%. So they're getting a 60% completion, uh, not completion, but conversion percentage on short. On medium, Fourth and six, uh, four and six yards on third down, were forty four percent, seven to nine, thirty four point eight, and then ten plus is twenty six point nine. And I mean the fact that twenty six point nine percent of fourth down or third downs on third and ten are completed, third and ten and plus like long. It's it's a pro like when you're allowing conversions and you're a bottom thirty conversion percentage on third downs and I I heard shout out Rod Babers for uh, and Mark Mike Harge Hardball Harge I heard them talking about this earlier when I was uh, doing some errands you have this team that they're they're playing good on like they're they're making plays on first and second down but then when it gets to third down you know where where to go? You know, where are we at? And it really is, it's almost mystifying, you know, looking at that graph that you showed earlier that because it, it if you're a Longhorn fan, that's been sipping the Kool-Aid, right? This graph is saying, it's telling you, Hey, you were right for the most part, you know? Y'all, like I, like I said, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Y'all should be a lot better. Y'all should be. Y'all aren't a clear top four team, but y'all should be up there. Y'all should be in the conversation. And if you look at it, if you get rid of really two of our close losses, we would be a we would be a consensus top five, or not five, top ten team, maybe five. 
team. And like I keep saying, it's just at this point, it's, it's, it's just baffling. You know, you don't know. It just leaves you speechless almost. It, it really does. And, and when you look at it, uh, we, so we look at blue chip rate and talent. And I, I know that the, the rankings aren't perfect, you know, the five star, four stars and all of that. But as they're graded, I, I believe this is by 24-7 sports. When you look at Texas, their roster this year, the 2022 roster, is the sixth most talented in the nation. When you combine all of the recruits and the recruiting rankings, this Texas team is the sixth most talented in the nation behind Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas A&M. I guess that make you might might make you feel better. They're higher than Texas, and then Clemson, right? But you look at that. Clemson is in the college football playoff. Ohio State is in the college football playoff. Georgia's in the college football playoff, and Alabama is sixth in the country based on the talent that they have on their roster by the recruiting rankings coming in. And Texas and Texas Texas A and M is under five hundred, and Texas is five and three, and the unranked. And then when you look at win probability so outside of the alabama game going into the game texas has been favored to win every game so they had a 99 percent chance to beat louisiana monroe they had a three percent chance to beat alabama we saw how that went they had a 81 percent chance to beat utsa they had a 69 percent chance going into the game to beat texas tech and they lost they had a 70% chance to beat Oklahoma. They had an 85% chance to beat Iowa State. They had a 68% chance to beat Oklahoma State, and they lost. And right now it's giving us a 57% chance to beat Kansas State. So in two of your losses, you had, according to the experts, according to the analytics, a 63% chance, no, excuse me, a 67% chance and a 69% chance. This is on the road against Oklahoma State, who was ranked, and on the road against Texas Tech. And based on the talent on your roster, you have the six most talented players in the country on your roster. And you're looking at a 5-3 and three season. And you're looking at not being ranked in the AP poll currently. Look, I came into the season saying that Texas was going to be 9-3, and three, and they still can achieve that. It's very unlikely, but they still could go 4-0. and oh. I still think 8-4. and four would be an improvement seven and five six and six no i'm <laughs> you know five and seven none of that is, is possible but really what i'm saying is is when you look at all the numbers and when you look at all the analytics everything is saying that texas is better than they should be and we keep saying that it's the year before the year but last year could have been the year but texas folded that opportunity away this year could have been the year but thus far they folded the opportunity away so yes Next year, they may be better than they are, you know, this year. And next year, they may be able to, you know, start, you know, really fighting for a Big 12 championship if they're not able to make it this year and really fighting for a college football playoff appearance, you know, next year and moving forward. But we can't continue to say that next year is the year when we they've had, excuse me, they've had opportunities the last two years and they squandered them. This has been part two of the good and the bad series it seems like we mostly talked about the bad but the numbers are showing how good this team is and the product on the field is showing something different with my brother nash talks texas part three coming soon with texas homer talking schematics of this texas football team and talking kansas state 
Nash Talks Texas on Twitter and on YouTube. Nash, please plug anything you have before we get out of here. This might be the longest episode of Locked on Longhorns I've ever done. You know what I'm saying? But we <laughs> yeah, have so much I just to get into. Time. We're, we're... We, we have so much to get into, so many numbers to get into. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, we could have kept going on. but Could have. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But if I might throw it. No, we're, we're running long. Yeah. But like, just go ahead and play. Shout out to still here. Yeah, yeah, just go ahead and plug what you need to, brother. Yeah, I was just going to plug uh, the guy that most of my stats have come from tonight. Uh, covered two figures on uh, Twitter. He he is uh, like he's only at 691 <laughs> followers. I'm proud to have said I, I, I found him under 500 followers. This dude is this, – this account, if you're a stat fan, love college football, even NFL stuff – Great visual stuff, great visual stats. Go follow him on Twitter and it's cover two. Just cover two and then figures. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, I love baseball. So I got to give you all a baseball update. I'm trying to root for the Astros, man. I live in Houston. I want to oh. see a parade, but Reese Hoskins just hit a home run. It's now 7 0, and I'm time stamping again. It is the bottom of the fifth, and Bryce Harper is up at the plate. Yikes. <laughs> Longhorn Nation. Oh, he took, he took a hack right there. 